0: Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron. Leon Iron Sharpens Iron believes that who you surround yourself with matters. The heart of this belief is Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. All right, welcome to another episode. Uh, On this episode, we're going to be talking about modesty, and we are joined by uh, another student this week. We have Michaela, who's actually the the fiance to uh, our last guest, uh, who was on last week. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so, yeah, Michaela, you want to introduce yourself, let people know who you are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Michaela. I am a senior. I am studying at NDSU Human Development and Family Science. Um, I'm recently engaged. <laughs> Love is Matt, in the air. <laughs> exactly. Um, as Matt just mentioned. And so I've been around the Newman Center. This will be my third year being involved. And so just been in various student leadership positions. I was a peer minister for a year, um, helping out with women's ministry and so yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. <laughs> awesome.
0: awesome. And you're a recent convert too, right? Yes. yes. Yes, I came
1: into the church about a year and a half ago now. Was
0: that the that was the same class as Asher, right?
1: No, he came into the church a year before me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah right. that's right. That's right.
0: Cool, cool. So yeah, today we're going to be talking about modesty. Um, It can be kind of a touchy subject. It can be, uh, you know, some people hear it and they get kind of scared of the word. Um, but yeah, what, what exactly is modesty? Where did it come from? Where did the term come from?
2: Yeah. I mean, modesty is, is one of those topics that, um, anytime we bring it up, it's, it's always going to start, um, something of a hot debate, right? I mean, everybody has kind of their opinions on it and what's the appropriate bounds of it, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, um, when I was preparing for this particular episode, I kept coming back to kind of a general point that I wanted to make ahead of time, and it's it's something that, that runs as thread through any uh, any moral consideration. And there are the three moral determinants, um, and so and you could look this up in the Catechism; they're in there; they're spelled out. Um, but the, the three moral determinants are um, the object of the act. So, what is actually being chosen? Um, the intention for which something is being chosen with, right? So the intention of the acting subject, and then the circumstances surrounding the act, right? And and all three of those help determine the moral character of a particular act. And I wanted to bring it up in the context of modesty because the more i read both of what the church teaches through the catechism on modesty digging into what saint thomas aquinas spoke on uh, as modesty as, as pertaining to it, it as a virtue the more i just saw that these three moral determinants are woven throughout this consideration that that when we're choosing something like modesty and you know w- what we wear and how we present ourselves it's more than just sort of the cloth and the stitch that's on, on our shoulders. But there is something of a circumstantial element that, that will help really clarify the moral character of the act. And then the, in, the intention of the person who is dressing in a particular way has a lot to do with the, you know, the outcome of that. So I just wanted to kind of put that on the table out of the gate, that as we kind of weave this discussion back and forth um, to keep those three moral determinants in mind. And I really I didn't actually answer the question of yeah that's what, what I, I was, is. I was like, modesty. <laughs> I just I was kind to, of running yeah. back through and <laughs> yeah yeah so I don't know maybe Michaela, I'm, I'm going to ask you that uh, what is modesty in your simplest definition?
1: Oh, that's a good question. In my most simple definition um, And I'm trying to not (laughs) look at my own notes here of what I've also um, prepared and written from the catechism. But the first thing that comes to mind, um, just thinking about a simple definition of modesty, is taking action to guard the human heart. And so as human persons, we're imperfect, obviously, and we often need certain... um, dare I say the word rules, but we we need guidelines. We need Mm -hmm. limitations on things because our heart um, being fallen desires to just fill, 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 and fill with various things. And so, um, yeah, I would define modesty as just taking actions, in certain ways to guard and protect our yeah. human heart.
2: Yeah, and I, I like that. And I would add to it that, you know, just think of the word itself, modesty. It shares the root of moderate. Mm-hmm. And any any consideration of a virtue, you're always looking for the mean of of that virtue, not its excess and not its deficiency, but, but that perfect balance um, where it's found. And yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, modesty, you can have modesty... In a number of different forms. Um, I mean, uh, Thomas Aquinas he he kind of parses out four different areas. You know, a, a modesty could be a movement of the mind towards something excellent. Uh, it could be a desire of things pertaining to knowledge, so like um, scholarship. Whereas the vice to that would be curiosity. Uh, bodily movements and actions. Um, and then outward show. So the one that we're really probably gonna spend the most time is that fourth one, that outward show, Um, you know, how we dress and present ourselves uh, to the world and and in human relationships. So how do we moderate that so that it respects the person across from me, that it actually has their good, their true good in mind when we we interact with them and when we present ourselves to them? Because I go back to the garden and in our original innocence, Adam and Eve were naked without shame. Yeah, it was after the fall that all of a sudden they hid themselves and like sewed the fig leaves together that are all in all the medieval art. And eventually they were clothed uh, by God himself with animal skins. And since then, clothing in every time, place, and culture has been a, a part of that culture and custom. And, and you know, if you look at it, it's it's helping us moderate human interactions and relationships with one another.
0: Yeah. Um, on that note, I was thinking, um, so I was going to ask if, if modesty is just, I, th- I think a lot of us think, uh, modesty is just a woman issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or, or if it can be a, a man issue too. Um, I think personally that we see it or we talk about it a lot more in women. And I think that's because when, um, as men, we we think a lot with our eyes and are a lot more visual while as um, women are a lot more with their ears and and their imagination and their um, and and what they're listening to. Um, So on that note of of the different areas of modesty you can be, um, can men be, um, does this issue of modesty affect men too, as far as dress or is it mostly just like a speech? kind of modest
2: Yeah I think with men it probably pertains more to to speech uh, but it definitely I think there is a dress or a physical how they carry themselves but it's almost um, what I've noticed in observing men it's not it's not the oh they're showing too much skin because it's generally socially acceptable like if you're at a beach or a swimming pool, say um, for men to not have a shirt on. It's generally socially acceptable no matter where you you go. Uh, for that to be the case, um, so it's not even a, me- a measure of oh wow they're showing too much skin. Although the man in the tight speedo at the beach or the swimming pool, I do object to. <laughs> so let's get that on the table as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I think there is a certain element to that, but with men it seems to be a thing of excellence, right? So men are would tend to dress in a shabbier way, you know, um, kind of t-shirt, jeans, not really carry themselves as gentlemen. They don't actually, uh, if they're failing in this area of dress, it's because they're failing to achieve the heights for which they should be carrying themselves with, uh, men of excellence, men of courage, men of leadership. And that's where I would maybe point a little more to the men and say, hey, look, elevate your game a little bit so that when you're dressing, you're actually inspiring others by your the way that you carry yourself that when they meet you you, they know they're meeting a man of god
0: yeah
1: Yeah, absolutely kind of on that same uh similar note as well you know asking the question like is modesty is this really a thing for men is it a thing for guys and as a woman i would say absolutely (laughs) it is because like many many things um there's always An amazing and a beautiful dynamic between men and women and especially in the realm of modesty when we see men practicing modesty practicing virtue that awakens something in women to desire that and to desire to imitate that and when men see women that are dressing modestly that are practicing virtue that awakens something in them as well which I really think kind of circles back in a sense, to the definition part of it, um, looking at modesty as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we see um, that fruit being born in the lives of women and in the lives of men, I mean, that just, it awakens the human heart, um, yeah, to experience and encounter God, I think, in a different way.
0: What do you think the best way to address modesty is? Um, because we talked about earlier how sensitive the subject can be to people, but is it more of a, a lead by example kind of way and, and dressing how, how you see modest or talking
2: in a modest tone? or um. Yeah, I think it starts by leading by example, right? Because it, it, like any moral act, right, it first begins in the mind and the heart, right? Before you even commit the act, that's where the stirrings of the act are at. And so it's just asking yourselves that question of, how do I want to present myself to others? How do I want them to see me? And not in a vain way, like I'm trying to seek their attention and their approval or, or satisfaction, but simply of my dignity and the consideration of my, my human dignity, how do I want them to see me? And then from there, you just construct that that outward appearance. And there's a, an amazing amount of latitude in this, I mean, by no means am I, am I giving you fashion advice right now? I'm, I'm saying just dress in a way that shows and reflects your human dignity. Um, and within that, you, you know, obviously the circumstance you're going to find yourself in, in a day, day-to-day basis is going to matter on how, what you choose to dress in. So if you're going to work as a welder on a construction site, right? You're not going to wear a three piece suit. That makes no sense. It doesn't fit the circumstance. But if you're going to Sunday Mass, well, maybe you should elevate your game a little bit. This is the most important hour of your week. And so whatever sort of means that you have, dress in the most dignified way that your means allow.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it is asking why you're going there too. Like you're going there to be in the presence of God. You're going there to worship Jesus. You're not right. going there to say, hey, I'm a Vikings fan. Hey, I'm a Packers fan. Right. You know, you see a lot of people wearing their football jerseys to Sunday yeah. Mass because, you know, it's Sunday and they got the football game afterwards. Yeah. But why are you going to Mass? You're going for, for Jesus, not for yeah. to wait for the football and game if afterwards. if you
2: believe he's present there as, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords... You ought to dress as a statement of faith in that truth. You should dress to be present there as if you were before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And again, I'm not giving, like, you must wear a suit necessarily, although aspire to that kind of a height, but I think you should dress in a way that ups the game a little bit. So how do I dress on a normal day, on a secular day, when I'm doing ordinary work? Now I'm entering a sacred space and a sacred time let's be intentional about that so that my outward appearance reflects the interior faith that I'm professing that I believe.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really, really love this this perspective on human dignity and dressing in a way that reflects our dignity, because so often with modesty, it can be really, really easy to focus on, don't do this, don't do that. And it again like i said earlier we need we need rules and we need guidelines but that needs to be balanced with here is why and that dignity is the why and i really think when talking about modesty um it's good to focus on you know like the the certain things you know that we need to do such as on sunday mass you know it's good to to elevate your dress and knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it um but to really have the human dignity of the person as the focus, as the highlight, having things that are uplifting to us about modesty is really, yeah, I think the best way to talk about it. And like we kind of mentioned at the beginning, going full circle of just leading by example, you know, if you have something that you want people to know, are you doing it yourself?
2: You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because, uh, modesty, Uh, As a virtue, it's like it's a sub-virtue or a related virtue to temperance. Now, temperance is is, has to do with difficult things, right? It has to do with actually um, controlling those various appetites and desires, and making sure that the more difficult things are are meeting sort of that golden mean of the virtue, right? Um, Whereas modesty is about actually easy things that are to do, right? It's not hard to dress modestly like it, it literally it just as a little maybe thought experiment or example it's not hard to put your clothes on it's not and so it's just a matter of choosing the clothes that would match your dignity right and and again there's so much latitude here we're inundated in a world with fashion upon fashion upon fashion that um, in some circles it might be hard to find if you're looking at this store or that store because, the culture is so immodest in general, the secular culture is. But to actually, you know, put the clothes on themselves and be modest, it's not hard. It it's an ordinary thing that you could do. Everybody could choose to do it if they want. Whereas, you know, some of the things with temperance people may not have that virtue in hand. I mean, I think of things like um, with food and drink, some people are more compelled. They they just don't have that, that uh, virtue of temperance built up strong. And it's actually very difficult for them to say no to the drink, but it's easy to put on your clothes. So yeah, that, su- that sounds kind of <laughs> crass, but yeah, it's <laughs> it, it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love in the catechism, it says uh, that modesty, it, it's mean is refu- refusing, what is it? Refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love, I love that just because it's, you know, you, when you, when you, you know, wake up and you, you put on your clothes, it's easy, but then you look in the mirror and you're like, what, what should remain hidden? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it should be pretty obvious, I think when, when, when they're talking about it, but I love that the, um, yeah, that you could talk about this in the, the catechism and it's just something that that stood out to me.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, modesty it, it just protects the intimate parts of our person. Um, you know, it, it like you were saying, it refuses to unveil what sh- what should remain hidden. Um, it's it's ordered to have us actually be chaste in our relationships, and chaste relationships are are the way that we love purely. So it's it's actually a function of purity and. If you want to be pure, you must be modest. And remember with the beatitude, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. And so if our end goal then is to be in the presence of God, to see him, the beatific vision, right? Purity should be a, a prime motive, something we're striving after, that in in our, our dress that we would safeguard that so that our relationships then, we could see their dignified character, we could see how they actually reflect... Um, you know the inner character of the Trinity when we're relating to one another, that we're giving ourselves in various forms and fashions of relationship, and by making it chaste, we make it its fullest self, its purest self. So I think it does; it veils it, it keeps it holy. Um, yeah, and it's not it's not just for
0: purity for yourself, but when right. you when you veil what should remain hidden, you are doing it for others too, and to protect right. the human dignity of the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, especially especially for men who think so much with their eyes yeah um
2: yeah and and it is i mean as as a man i'll just underscore that point again men are intensely visual creatures um and, and some of this makes a lot of sense think about the hunting cultures of you know prior prior ages where men have to see motion in order to fulfill their roles as providers and protectors it's, it's a thing of battle, right? Men are geared towards motion. It's why when, when you see men, um, you know, are, are just superior in their ability to play sports, you know, um, throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, um, and the best men will be able to hit that ball. The average man, maybe not, but I can guarantee you very few women will hit that ball because they don't see the motion the same way that, that men men see it. So I think... When we're talking about motion and men, okay, uh, this comes into play because men then are going to be visually attracted to the movement of woman. Yeah. And, and it's ordered of, in its purest and proper form towards marriage and the beginning and raising of children. Okay, that's the place for it. But not every woman walking down the street is that man's spouse, nor will she be. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind is that somebody, that, that's either somebody else's spouse or potentially somebody else's spouse. So. Yeah.
0: And I'm not, this is, this isn't something to take the, the man off the hook for dressing no, modestly. Um, it's just, you know, pointing out that, that men are extremely visual creatures and this is the, the problem that that men have, but also with, with men, you have to remember to dress, to also dress modesty and protect the hearts and the human dignity of the women, Yeah. but also do that, not just in your dress, but also in your, in your speech and how you talk to them and, um, the actions you, you give to them, um, and you provide, but yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And it really goes back and touches on, you know, when you asked the question earlier, like modesty, is this a thing for men? And we, you know, we all agreed like, yes, it's a thing for men and for women. And I really, really think too, um, yeah, agreeing with exactly what you said that, um, for women. It can often, and this is um, just kind of doing my own research, I've really found um, that it's like a very almost like a feminist mindset to think, you know, like, oh, the guys, you know, this is just their problem, you know, and this is just something that they need to take care of. Um, And you know, we, we both have responsibility as men and women. The men have the responsibility to guard their hearts and to guard our hearts as well. And in the same way, the women have the responsibility um, to really, you know, internally reflect, like, am I dressing in a way? Am I doing things that are guarding and protecting the hearts of other men? And so it's not just like a women's issue. It's not just a men's issue. It's a both and. We all need to be aware of what's going on around us and trying to really uphold and protect each other's dignity.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I would, you know, in my own experience, and this is backed up in in the catechism as well, but modesty protects the mystery of the person and their love. And and in my experience, um, the women who dress modestly that I know, they're the more beautiful women to me because there's a mystery that's retained there. I heard it maybe put in crasser terms um, the other week that um, the the woman wearing the string bikini and the woman wearing the one-piece swimming suit, um, the woman wearing the one-piece swimming suit is actually revealing more about herself. Now, even though her body is revealing less, there's less revealed on her body, she's showing more of her because she's veiled you know, the, the actual physical characteristics of her body from it. So it allows the people interacting with her to actually concentrate on her and not upon you know, whatever particular feature of her body that they might be attracted to. So by dressing modesty, we actually veil so that we protect that mystery. And woman is a mystery to be explored. That's a, it's just the truth. and so um, I, I think that, that uh, by dressing modesty actually allows men a certain degree of freedom to engage and interact with that woman, um, not just on a chaste level, but on, on a level that allows them to give more of themselves in a relational manner um, just through that interaction.
0: And it comes back to the man in the speedo too, right?
2: Yeah. He's revealing that. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk to that guy. I'm sorry, nobody. It's very awkward.
0: What would, you, what would you say are the effects that uh, immodesty has on the person or the, the soul? Or, uh, because uh, we talked about um, how it's kind of our duty to protect the, I think, the, the people around us, the men and women, and how we dress. It, it affects the, the dignity of the hearts and, and minds of the people around us. And like Michaela said, we, um, we kind of have a, have a duty to that. And it's not when people say, oh, that's a, that's a man's problem. Uh, he should just stop thinking that way. Um, but you really should, um, work on helping to protect the souls and the dignity of the people around you. And if that means dressing, a, uh, more modestly, then that's the way to do it. But how would you, how would it affect a person if you were to dress immodestly or just the effects of immodesty in the world?
2: Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind is it objectifies people and makes us objects of use for one another. So, um, if you get into that mode where all of a sudden you're the, the guy's just checking her out all the time, and all of a sudden she's an object of his pleasure, whether visually and his imagination, or maybe he's got you know confidence and he walks up to her and it becomes an actual object of his sexual pleasure, right? So I think modesty, um, again going back, kind of helps helps prevent us getting into that uh, near occasion of sin because it's actually well, it's easy to dress modestly, it's very hard to resist that temptation to lust when you're in it. It's much harder once that has been stoked up. Um, so I think, you know, just safeguarding that and helping us not objectify one another and see each other as, as objects for use and pleasure.
0: Yeah. It sends, uh, you see a lot that they kind of um, start with something small and then they grow into something major. And if you don't stop it right where it's at, yeah. it's just going to keep on growing. So when you're... You know, start with sins of the mind, mm-hmm. um, and your mind starts to wander, and you don't reject those thoughts immediately or on the spot, uh, which a lot of people, you know, have trouble doing. Then uh, eventually, they grow into something deeper, and then sooner or later, you're involved in just maybe some serious sexual sin, or yeah, um, yeah. which could be a problem of modesty of yourself and of yeah. just other people. Again, not helping protect the the modesty of the people or, or the dignity of the people around them.
2: Yeah, and remember what Jesus said too about. You know, you know, if you even look at her with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's really up the ante on this, um, where men, men, you know, men especially, I mean, I'm not going to say it's, it's not a woman problem as well, but men especially, because we're visually oriented, you know, you enter into the area of sin immediately once you've, you've sort of lusted after her in your heart. And, um, and that's not to mean, oh, wow, I noticed somebody that's attractive. That's not what I'm saying. Cause there's, there's a second engagement that has to happen with your will. Cause men are just kind of noticing, noticing, noticing. It's that second look. It's that committed, you I think, know, uh,
0: Billy yeah. Graham said it's the first look that you, the first look is okay. You can't help the first look, but that second look, yeah. that second look is the scent And that always stuck with me as it something is. No, super it's, powerful.
2: It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah.
0: But sorry, I interrupted you. No, no,
2: that's, uh, I mean, that's basically, yeah, my point is just that, you know, keep custody of your eyes and then maybe it flips it back over again. See, we're kind of circling around this where modest dress helps protect that entire sort of economy of relationship that's going on, um, so that it doesn't get compromised. It doesn't run that risk of, you know, one sex or the other, um, you know, compromising the good and the purity of the other. So,
0: yeah, and as uh, men and women, we have a, a duty to ourselves too to reject those thoughts because, um, let's face it, we lived in a we live in a secular world. Um, even a lot of Christians, they don't. This isn't a main topic that's on their heart of is modesty. It's not a topic that they think is important, or a lot of them don't. Right. Um, so, just. Living in a realistic world, it's going to be a problem that you face on a day-to-day basis of um, how people dress and um, rejecting these thoughts. And um, yeah. but yeah, it's just something that's going to come up.
1: Absolutely, and to kind of even even further this point, when we think about avoiding lust and avoiding these certain things, there's I think also another kind of even to just kind of layer on top of it kind of put the icing on the cake if you will um you know why why modesty because i think it allows us to live in freedom to love and it allows us to live to be more fully who god created us to be you know as women um yeah, I think there's just there's one thing that the Lord has really, really instilled on my heart when it comes to modesty, um, and it goes back to this definition um, that the Catechism gives on modesty. You know, modesty protects the intimate center of the person, and it means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. And I think something really, really uplifting that I just want to encourage. Um, Especially myself, being a woman, I want to encourage other women, but um, men as well. You know, when we dress, in essentially in the way that God desires us to, that frees our hearts to be more fully who we are, and it frees our hearts to more fully love not only God but to love other people as well. When everything is rightly ordered and we're we're living in the way that God wills for us to live. There's just such a great freedom there. And I myself have really, really experienced this um, with the Lord placing this on my heart. Like as a woman, you know, I desire you to be veiled in your dress. Um, I just, I can't even (laughs) hardly explain, you know, the difference in my own life of just feeling so free as a woman and feeling free um, to be around other men and knowing, you know, that I am helping them. Um, but I'm also, you know, living how God desires me to as well.
2: The virtuous life is the happy life. Mm -hmm. And so when we do this to safeguard one another, we should be each individually and all together as a community happier in, in our, in ourself and in our relationships, um, this kind of points to maybe the nitty gritty question then of what are the lines? At what point do you cross a line into an immodest arena, and and where where does that where does that lie, um, and is it even a hard fast line? I mean, what do you guys think?
1: I'd say kind of going full circle again and um, bringing back up a point um, that we brought up earlier is that um, you know kind of in the realm of trying to avoid lust for both men and women, I would say when it comes to the issue of modesty, if what I am wearing brings about an opportunity for someone else to fall into sin, then I should not be wearing it. I think right. it's honestly as simple as that. If I am presenting an opportunity for someone else to sin, you know, I'm causing one of my brothers or sisters in Christ to fall. Um And we're called to, to uplift each other. We're called to kind of run this race side by side and help each other get to heaven. And so if I'm doing something that hinders someone in a very small or a big way to get to that eternal goal, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing.
0: So in other words, you're saying you have to be very honest with yourself and how you're dressing, um, I think it's hard Mm -hmm. for people to kind of, they look in the mirror and they're like, oh, this looks good to me. Um. And right. it, it probably does, but then you have to ask yourself, now what would other people think of this? And I think that can be hard to do as a man or a woman to say, what is going to cause the other to sin?
2: Yeah, because you don't you don't have the certainty that it did, right? Because actually a virtuous man, and Jesus proved this point, he was able to walk into the presence of, of prostitutes and remain sinless, mm-hmm. right? So actually the virtuous man could be presented with the, you know, the circumstance anyway of being surrounded by, you know, the scantily clad women and, and things of the world, but doesn't fall into sin because he remains lust-free, right? He remains, his eyes remain upon their eyes, his relationship and the purity of his heart remains intact. Um, it's it's sort of the the non-virtuous man that's prone to fall into that. Um And I think it goes back to why I wanted to open with those three moral determinants a little bit, because there is, um, you know, the object of the act here um, in some ways also depends on the circumstance. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, if a wife uh, dresses in a certain way to appeal to her husband, that is not a sin. Now, if they're out in public, it may be a different circumstance because she might be inadvertently appealing to other men as well. Um, but if she dresses in a way um, to uh, please her husband and entice her husband, that is actually not a sin. And, and Aquinas parses this out pretty clearly. However, if she dresses in a way that uh, with the intention of a provoking lust in another person, Aquinas states that not only is that a sin, it's a mortal sin. Now, if she dresses in a particular way but is ignorant of it, then it brings into another another category of uh, moral determination, which is um, vincible versus invincible ignorance. You know, So if you're invincibly ignorant, you just didn't actually know better. That's the thing. And we actually live in a culture where I think a lot of people don't actually know better because the culture around us, the secular culture around us, has been I mean, so sexualized, so pornified in like every movement and in every sphere of it um, that people generally are just then going to adopt the sort of the cultural norms around them. Mm -hmm. And when they do that, they're not even inadvertently aware that what I'm dressing as is immodest because it's just what's being sold in the stores. It's not even a, a thing that that people are consciously thinking about in a way. And so I think the deeper call now, especially for those who may be listening, those who uh, are Catholic or Christian that that might be, um, you know, taking this to heart and seriously pondering this, is you know examine you know your own life and wardrobe and what what are you wearing, and what might it be provoking in others, and and how could you remedy that if it is, and start really uh, trying to purify your own motives. And look, I get it; clothes are expensive. To overhaul a wardrobe people might not actually be able to financially afford it so it may actually take a certain level of creativity to uh, begin drifting out of sort of the cultural norm that the secular culture provides towards us and dressing in that more modest way and it can be very frustrating um, for sure i mean i've witnessed this with with uh, just within my marriage and within um, a lot of relationships that i've known that it's hard to find modest clothes that fit well and that are flattering. And it's not an easy task for every woman. So I, I kind of feel for the the uh, difficulty of the cultural circumstance right now. I really do because it's not easy.
0: Yeah. On the the, the previous note about um, just how, how difficult it is and how... Well, not not really that no, but on the like, just fi- finding ways to dress people like the secular world that we live in. I think it's a lot of people have the idea of you know it could be worse, could be wearing less clothes. I mean, look at Hollywood right now; nobody wears any clothes in Hollywood anymore. Yeah. So, um, I think the idea is to be even better than that. Like, look yeah. at look at the world, and then like be honest with yourself on how you can be even better than what the what you think the best looks like, and. Yeah, go with that. And yeah, to second your note, I, I don't think it can be easy with yeah. um, finding different clothes in the, I mean, it's, it's easy for guys. We go out and we find a pants and a, and a shirt. So my like wife, it's a lot easier
2: my <laughs> wife kind of hates me sometimes because I tell her, yeah, I've been buying the same size of, of jeans since i have been in eighth grade. And that's usually when something gets thrown (laughs) my way (laughs) because it's, I don't even have to think about it. And that's why I I really do acknowledge the challenge that exists in this area for women. It is not easy to do it. Um, just to, to throw men, men into the mix though, men, you, you, you do have to up your game a little bit though, and and buy some, some nicer clothes or at least find some, um, that, that aren't so raggedy. Yeah. You so, know,
0: maybe you have your work clothes if you're, yeah. uh, if you do construction or something and you have those jeans, but you know, maybe yeah. go out and buy a pair of khakis for, uh. Yeah. It's not, know, it's
2: actually something. not any, any more expensive to buy a nice pair of pants than a raggedy pair of jeans. They're yeah. the exact same cost. So.
0: I have one to talk though. I think the last time I bought a pair of pants was like a year ago. Yeah. So I, I just stick with it and yeah. keep them clean. And I'm, no, okay. that's it. They're
2: good quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know, Michaela, your thoughts on this. I mean, you as a woman have had to probably navigate these paths more often. How? What are some practical tips for other women to say, okay, how do you begin overhauling that wardrobe so that you could dress modestly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have a couple things that um, just initially come to mind. Um, the first one is a quote, I think, from a book that I read Um the the, the witch book it is is absolutely escaping me. I but you were
0: saying it was called the Witch Book. I'm like, oh, no, no no no
2: <laughs> no we don't we don't we don't no, read no, no, those. No.
1: Books. <laughs> um, I actually believe it might have been Emotional Virtue by Sarah Swafford. Um, but the quote is along the lines of modesty. Um, talks about. You know, when, when we think about dressing modesty um, and dressing in a way that upholds our dignity and doing so tastefully, that doesn't mean that we have to be dressed, you know, in f- super frumpy clothes, you know. Amish. Um, yeah, Amish kind <laughs> <Right>. of style. <laughs> right. um, and the, the direct quote that she said um, was, you know, wearing clothes, especially as women, that are tight enough to know that we're women, but loose enough to know that you're a lady. Um, and that quote has just really, really stuck with me ever since, where it's like, no, we don't have to be wearing these frumpy, you know, non-flattering clothes, but we can, we can find things and wear things that are flattering, um, that uplift our dignity and our figure, but also aren't occasions of sin um, for other people. And the other thing um, that comes to my mind, you know, when thinking about, um, you know, tips, You just like, you know, how do you dress modestly? I think um, something really, really good to do um, is put on an outfit, one that you wear regularly or just going through your closet, put something on um, and just look at yourself in the mirror. And if you ask the question, is this modest? You know, even having the question of it is something in our heart, you know, is kind of attuned to the fact that okay maybe maybe this isn't modest and so um and i have gone through a complete transformation in my wardrobe of you know something that i once thought was modest i now have completely gotten rid of and so it definitely is this process Um, but i can say that going through that process and when you're able to put something on and you don't even have to ask the question, you know, is this modest? You're just able to put it on and you feel completely comfortable in it. That is probably a good <laughs> sign, you know, that we're dressing modestly. And of course, um, that goes with kind of making sure that you're well formed, you know, and knowing um, what something that is modest and something that's not. But um, I think we're a lot smarter <laughs> than we think we are when it comes to modesty. Um, and so being able to, yeah, just put something on and not even having the question of, is this modest or is it not, Um, can be a really, really good way to kind of, kind of indicate whether something is or isn't. Um, And kind of one last thing, too, that I really just want to kind of throw in there as well. Um, Going back to this idea of like, yeah, in our culture, it is really, really hard (laughs) to dress modesty because you go, you go out to look for clothes and it's just, it's everywhere. You know, there's There's not really, I would say at least, you know, if someone knows of one, please let me know, but a store, you know, that's like dedicated to upholding the dignity of the human person. Um, And so though it is challenging, it is absolutely possible. And one thing that I've really, really come to love is thrift stores. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking the same thing. I'm like,
0: I hear a lot of women talking about thrifting. Absolutely. It's a big topic here at the Newman Center. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Not only is it useful, it's fun. You know, I don't even know how many times groups of women from the Newman Center have just gone out and gone thrifting together. So though it is difficult in the world that we live in, it absolutely is possible. And I really wanted to offer, you know, that little moment of encouragement there.
0: You have inspired a business idea of, uh, opening a shop that protects the human dignity of the person. Absolutely. So if anybody wants to take that motivation to do that, go for it. And right. then call the shop Dignity because that's a, yeah, that, just that, a side that, thought there. Sorry. That, that's something like
2: <laughs> Tom Haverford, you know, from yeah. Parks and Rec might, might uh, Dignity. Exactly. It has to have that swag swag kind of name to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but those are some awesome tips, Michaela. Yeah.
2: yeah one, one last point I kind of wanted to touch on too uh, before we wrap up is, Pastoral sensitivity, because we've kind of, you know, circled around this topic. It's a tough topic. It it, it usually results in um, no small bit of arguments and disagreements on, on what is modest, what is not modest. But, um, but the question I wanted to kind of raise is about pastoral sensitivity. So because the culture is the way that it is, and because we're actually called to evangelize and to convert hearts, right, we want to make disciples of all nations— How do we go out into the culture we know we're gonna we're gonna encounter immodesty in in dress almost wherever we go i mean this this fall when we were out on campus doing a lot of our outreach and our tabling i mean it was quite apparent um just the the average person um what they were and were not wearing i mean it was everywhere this year um yet that that soul matters right and if we lead with something like modesty be like girl, put some clothes on. You know, you're you're, you're <laughs> sinning. Okay, that's not likely to yield a, a favorable response to the invitation to come and see. That's probably going to turn them away. It's probably going to harden their hearts towards mm-hmm. towards the gospel. So what kind of pastoral sensitivities do we need with this in order to kind of patiently help and guide people through? I mean, what do you guys think?
0: Yeah, I think we talked about it a little last week when we were talking about human dignity, but there's two um, kind of far sides that people go on um, for, for picking a side on this. Either people are very too lenient in how they um, want to bring about people sinning, and, and people don't like to be told, hey, you're you're sinning, or like, hey, put right. your clothes back on, or, or people don't like to hear that. They don't don't like, judge me. Exactly. Yeah. And there's usually that that far right side who's like, who, who does that. And is like, you're dressing like a, like a such and such you're Um, and then they, they, they say all these nasty things about you and that hardens your heart. And then you have these people on the the other side who, of the spectrum who are like, you know, just wear whatever you want. If you don't want to wear clothes, don't wear clothes. It's your body, your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have that side, but I think it's important to, uh, first of all, keep in mind where this person's coming from. You always want to try to meet someone where they're at. Right. Um, and then second of all, be honest with them. Um, it's always hard to talk about like how a person is dressing, but obviously, you know, be honest with them and, you know, if y- you, you know, recommend certain, um, areas where they can, can go to learn more about, um, how they can be modest, recommend Iron and Iron podcast. Yeah, there uh, you go. That's, that's what you got to <laughs> recommend. That's but, the
2: answer I was looking for, Matt. Just, yeah. <laughs> just, you, you have to tell them about Iron Sharpens Iron. Right? Exactly. No,
0: but, uh, yeah, bring up, uh, different ways that they can strengthen their faith and ask you know, them questions about—have them question, I guess, how, how they're dressing, and ask questions to make them ask questions is, I guess, how, how I'm trying to word that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I would—my I, answer to the question is maybe, um, you know, considering where are they at in terms of their, their Christian growth, their growth as a disciple of Jesus, are they just like a, a meager germinating sprout coming out of the ground— with barely any roots, right? Because you, you would have to take a real, real delicate approach to anything. And I would almost recommend, and if you discern that's the state of uh, somebody's relationship with our Lord and in the process of conversion, hold off on the modesty discussion. Because that that person at that state is is likely to be crushed very easily. You want to make sure that they have things like a good prayer life established. That that they're understanding that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, yet Christ's grace and His mercy are ever present, and that they're seeking that grace uh, through the sacraments, right? And and when you start seeing some of these things, and they start that spark of their own initiative starts to take take root, I think that's a great time in the context of your relationship with them. So it actually there's an established moral authority that you have in their life that's where you have the conversation and and maybe offer that gentle correction and and the reasons why. I think, in my mind, that's the ideal way to approach this in a pastoral way. Um, And try to inspire them so that it actually, the choice comes from within and not from some dictate from without. But they understand that "Ah, there's something, something I need to change about how I carry myself and present myself. That would reflect this interior life that is now growing within me.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. On that on that note of kind of inspiring others, that's almost exactly what I was thinking. Was just show them the joy of what it is to live modestly, because we do have um, you know these kind of like practicals and what it looks like to live modesty, but then to really again say why and show the joy of what it really is and what it means to live modesty show the joy and the freedom you know that comes from it I think is like one of the biggest things to kind of keep on the forefront is like yes this is a touchy subject and yes it can be hard to talk about but oh my gosh once we do um yeah there's just such such a beauty such a freedom into living modesty modestly
0: yeah around here at the Newman Center we're pros at changing lives, right we're in the yeah, business of it. it so we're that's professional what now we do. <laughs> well yeah no uh bringing up the the conversation i think it's it's nice to um you know maybe have them teach you a little bit about it and and see what their thoughts are, are on it and yeah. ask them hey what are your thoughts on on modesty what are your yeah. what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the culture and and then they can kind of you know it gets in their brain and then, then maybe they, they start thinking about it and then maybe they ask themselves am yeah. i truly being modest and then um but now they both listen to iron sharpens iron and then they hear what you're doing and <laughs> they know exactly what you're doing. So
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's a complete win. Total victory. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Any last notes for you guys that you wanted to, to say before we cut out here?
2: Yeah. It's about love. I mean, it's about trying to love the other in in the best possible way and trying to protect that love the best that you can. That we would not lead each other into temptation and sin but that we would lead each to lead each other into virtue and that higher calling of life
1: yeah absolutely honestly on the same note of trying to do that for one another is to really you know pray about this as well that is one thing that i would say is to pray about it ask the lord what he wills and what he desires for you um you know in in this realm of modesty because we can come on here and we can talk about it. And I hope that, you know, this has been, um, some time where we've been able to say some things that hopefully inspire people and we're able to meet them where they're at and love them through that. Um, but the biggest thing would be to pray and be able to receive that from God because ultimately he is the one, you know, that will change our lives.
0: Amen. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So yeah, like subscribe, follow if you liked it, if you saw anything that or heard anything that you found inspirational, send this off to a friend. Um, If you need to tell somebody to dress modestly, send this off to them.
2: Uh (laughs) If you really want to let me have it for anything I said, just come by the Newman Center. You can come to my office. Yeah, drop something in the comments
0: too. Say, uh, Nathan, you're doing great, or Nathan, you got to talk. Quiet, (laughs) quiet, buddy. (laughs) All right. God bless.